Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, this is Chris here, host of Athletics Live Stories. Just ahead of today's episode, I just want to apologise for some of the sound quality at the start. We had a few technical issues, um, which I guess would cost me a few, a few points in the decathlon. Um, so please um, please forgive us those. Um, it does affect one of the early questions where Charles is talking about his um, how he first got into athletics, and uh, that started from going to swimming lessons. So I'm sorry if it affects the start of the interview, but we soon get going, uh, and I'm sure you'll enjoy it. Um, as we spend an hour in the company of the inimitable Charles Van Comedy. This is Athletics Life Stories with your host, Chris Broadbent. So every time I, I hear this song, I'm, I'm in the Olympic Stadium again. So I remember the last two, three days we were living on, uh, on soup and cookies. Jessica Ennis was never fat. It's so obvious that I don't even say it. Hello, welcome to Athletics Life Stories with myself, Chris Broadbent. Today I'm joined by Charles Van Comeny. Charles is one of the most respected coaches in the sport. In the UK, he's best known for coaching Denise Lewis to Olympic heptathlon gold in 2000 and Kelly Southerton to heptathlon bronze in 2004. He then returned to the UK as head coach of the British Athletics team for the Olympic cycle leading into London 2012. Uh, he left soon afterwards after the team fell short of his medal target but also provided one of the most unforgettable nights in British athletics history when Jessica Ennis, Mo Farah and Greg Rutherford won three gold medals on Super Saturday. Charles, it's good to see you. And it's also a good time because it's, it's, uh, it's flown by, but it's 10 years since London 2012. Uh, and also you're, you're stepping away from Dutch athletics at the moment into what, semi-retirement as well. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, I'm 64 years old and... Uh We'll, uh, we'll not be in charge any longer of any program, and um, I'm also to uh, to do other things in life. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Okay. Good. Good. Well, let's talking about life. We are, we are going to cover the life and um, with a British perspective, I guess. But first of all, take us back to what uh, what life was like for you growing up in the Van Comedy household. What was it? Give give us a taste of what you, what your family life was as a, as a young a young boy in Holland. Um, yeah, happy life. Um, my parents loved sport, so we were very much encouraged. And I was uh, just an average uh, boy going to school, and, and and I don't think I was much trouble. No, okay. not as much as I became later in life. <laughs> <laughs> That's good to hear. That's good to hear. Uh, and, and when did you? Um, when did ath- athletics first become part of your life? This was actually very. There's a lot of water in this country, and uh, I was going with my mom, uh, and we always uh, went with the bus, and we had to wait for a long time with the bus, and there was always another young boy with his mom, uh, and and, uh, we were waiting together, and this boy asked me one day, uh, do you feel like uh, joining me to go to athletics club? I didn't even know what it was, Uh, so I joined. I was nine years old, and uh, I never left. So, had the boy been uh, involved in judo or handball, I, my life would have been very different. Wow, wow. It's one of those moments in life, isn't it? So you look back. Yeah. 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 You don't realise it at the time, but what a big moment it was. Yes, it was, yeah. Yeah. So, determined, yeah. That's it, that's it, yeah. And you, and you competed in athletics, didn't you? You were a decathlete, weren't you? Yeah. I was, I was, was free, <laughs> uh, not to say mediocre. Okay. Um, 
and, and my back uh, killed me. So I had to quit when I was 19 years old. And I, I picked up coaching when I was 19 years old. I just coached 10, 11 year olds um, just because I loved athletics. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, and I didn't want to leave the sport. And, um, so at a young age, when I was, uh, let's say 40 years old, I, I already had more than 20 years of coaching experience. Mm. Uh, so I, I've worked in clubs for, uh, I think 18 years or so. And, um, yeah, so I, I, I went through the whole, um, the whole sport as such, from coaching 10, 11 year olds up to Olympics, Olympic champions, uh, different countries, uh, later involved in different sports. But I started just coaching 10, 11, 12 year olds for about four years. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, and just, just to jump forward a little bit, one of the, one of the first uh, ventures, international ventures, was coming to the um, European Juniors in Birmingham. And I heard that you yes. you came you actually camped out to go to that event, didn't you? That's right. Yeah, uh, I didn't have enough money in my pocket. No. This was 1987. Yeah. I coached two females at that time who qualified for this championship, and uh, one was a heptathlete and the other one a javelin thrower. And uh, and and as, as young coaches do, they always join uh, their athletes and, and try what they can, how they can help at the championship. And uh, I just took um, uh, the train, uh, the boat, uh, the <laughs> another train, and, uh, and 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 with a friend who was also uh, later also the head coach for Dutch Athletics. Uh, we grew up together, and, and we spent our time on that on that lawn next to the Alexander Stadium, and it was yeah. pouring down at that time. <laughs> so we were soaking wet for the whole week, and the athletes did badly. <laughs> and, uh, and, and 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 I was even robbed at the time. The, uh, the properties from the tent were taken away. Uh, so I remember the last two three days we were living on uh, on uh, on soup and cookies. <laughs> what? It was funny because later in life I, I I had my office in Alexander Stadium. I was driving my my Rover seventy five, <laughs> and every time I drove to, drove to the Alexander Stadium, I looked at the right side and said that was the place where I was robbed <laughs> and lived of soup and cookies. <laughs> That was the yeah. So the patch is still there, is it? Perhaps there should be a plaque there. It is. <laughs> is it? It's still there. <laughs> that's great. That's great. Well, you must you must have you must have drawn something from it because you stuck at it, didn't you? It it gave me everything in life. It's it's uh, it's. Mm, I wouldn't say it's my identity, but it's it's coming close. Mm. Um, I I live and breathe athletics. Um, mm. Yeah. Okay. I still do. Good. 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 Okay, I'm going, to, I'm going to race forward a bit now, but one of the most interesting athletes you coached was uh, Huang Zihong, the uh, Chinese shot putter. Um, yeah. And she went on to win two world championships, Olympic silver as well. Um, that, how did that come about, that, that relationship? Yeah, she, she, won the, uh, she was the first Asian athlete to win a world title um, in 1991. And uh, she won, yes, yeah, so, so the shot put. And as a as a sort of um, yeah rewarding for, from reward from from Chinese government, she could fulfill a wish that she always had. And her biggest wish ever in life was to live outside China. And she, in fact, she moved she moved to Loughborough at that time. Okay. She wanted to spend time in England. And she was looked after by an, an agent, uh, still one of the biggest agents uh, in our sport, Joss Hermans. And yeah. uh, he um, he looked after her. And, and she, she, after some months, she was unhappy in Lapra and couldn't find the right coaching setup. And she was a bit, she was crumbling. And and then Joss said, uh, I know someone who can maybe help. And 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 uh, that was me. So I, mm. I but it was funny. Um, I had to do a sort of exam for her. <laughs> so, okay. well, it was, see, see, I went there to Lapra and I started working with her, but she was just trying to find out what I knew about shot put and 
whether I knew the opponents and whether I know my theory and how I was behaving and all these things. So later I heard from Jos. He said, well, you passed the test. I was not certain I was in a test anyway. But that's uh, that's what I heard after my first visit. I went there a few times from Amsterdam. I was living in Amsterdam at the time. And then it, 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 it seemed it was a better idea for her to move to Holland. So we worked in, in Holland. So a big yeah, a coincidence again. Coincidence. Yeah. She, um, this is quite an interesting figure. She uh, she grew up in a sort of a, what they call sports school, which means they had to leave home for um, and 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 live there for a thousand miles away from where they grew up and be a professional athlete from that thirty you know, when they're thirteen, twelve, or thirteen years of age. And um, so when she moved to England or later Holland. She was maybe 28 or so, and and she was only she was she had very little skills other than um, throwing the shot a long way. And one of my biggest accomplishments is that I have taught a Chinese to cook rice. So. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so you've moved on from soup and cookies then. <laughs> See, what I've learned, of course, I taught her skills that we knew about shot within in Europe, but she had a different concept from China. Yeah. So I learned also a lot from her, and and uh, especially uh, the eye for detail. It was so detailed about this event. Mm. So um, I probably gave as much to her as she did to me. Yeah. Good. Great. In my development, I mean, yeah. Great, great. And another, well, another athlete to come about by rec- recommendation for you was um, you were recommended to, for Denise Lewis. Wait, look after De- Denise Lewis. Tell us about how that came about. Um, I was in a small combined events meet in Valladolid in Spain, northern Spain, and, um, and and she was there as well. But she she didn't have a coach at that time on the side. Was Daryl Bunn? Mm. He didn't travel there. And she had to look after herself and she asked some assistance and, and you know, like, like combined events do. Yeah. When, 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 when you can help each other, that's what you do. Mm. And what I was coaching a couple of these Dutch athletes, she asked me to keep an eye on her, I, I think in the show. I don't know what event it was. Mm. And then I helped her through the event and then, um, we stayed in touch and then things evolved. This is how it started. Yeah, yeah. And it was in ninety. It was in spring '94. I remember. Okay, and uh, obviously the relationship blossomed because she went. She went on to, well, she became a you know a, a multiple champion, didn't she? Commonwealth Games was the first one, I think, '98. Yeah. Yeah. You were with her then, were you? '98. No. Mm. Yeah, I was in '98, but mm. she won it already in '94. Yeah. Without okay. Me. Okay. Okay. Yeah. In in British Columbia. Um, and in '98, I attended that that one in uh, Malaysia, Kuala Lumpur. Uh, yeah, um, brilliant athlete, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, and also brilliant person. So um, it was it was um, it was always big fun. No, not always, of course not always, mm-hmm. but it was also big fun. Yeah. I was going to say you're both you're both quite strong. Yeah, you're both quite strong characters. So did, did that. Uh, did, did you occasionally clash, or was it uh, was it all plain yeah. sailing? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but 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 in ninety nine percent of the cases, uh, tongue in cheek. Okay. So uh, yeah, um, yeah. But it it was uh, let's say it was a life. <laughs> it was never dull. No. Good, good. And then obviously she went on to win the gold in Sydney, which was you know great moment, the the, old, the peak, the pinnacle in the sports. Um, the thing I recall about that is the way she was absolutely patched together for the the final event, the 800 meters. What was happening in the background there? Because because clearly she was uh, in not a good way, but it was this. They had to she had to run this to win the gold. Yeah. Well, uh, let me start uh, a bit earlier. Um, she got hurt in her last uh, combat in her last meet before the game, which was like eight weeks before the games. Mm. Remember the games uh, in Sydney were in October. Yeah. And so she competed in Talence, one of the bigger uh, combined events meets, and um, and and she got a bad injury, and uh, and she couldn't hurdle for like seven weeks. 
Um, and uh, so we had a, a sort of a trial, a, a, like like six days before the gun went uh, for the first event. Mm. And, we, and, and she did one hurdle. I remember this was a crucial meet. She had a, a, a crucial session, training session. We were preparing in Brisbane. It was at, at least you have to take one hurdle in the last eight weeks, <laughs> wow. which she did. Okay. Uh, so she went into the arena, um, mm, let's say, uh, very unprepared and uh, with a lot of tape, uh, all sorts of, uh, all sorts of uh, uh, joints and body parts. So she went in like a mummy almost. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, it was one big long struggle, and uh, which. Um, which came to a sort of a climax uh, at, at the, at the warm-up before the javelin. So after the long jump, it was very in uncertain whether she could compete in the uh, in the javelin. Mm. Uh, uh, and it was it was one of the most tense moments in uh, both our lives, I think. Mm. And uh, um, she did well, or relatively well. Um, I remember a moment in the warm-up for the javelin, uh, uh, still on the warm-up field, that um, she, as she, as she can be, she says, hey, Charlie, failing is not an option here. So, um, uh, so she encouraged me even. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's how she can be. Um, anyway, um, yeah, and I don't think the 800 meters was uh, as much of a drama as the javelin was there was more uncertainty before the javelin than before the 800 but uh, oh the, oh yeah i remember she, she lost her shoe so this was also uh, uh, drama she only had the la the spike the spikes uh, complete only uh, a couple of minutes before she went into the arena we had to look for an hour <laughs> I, I remember two uh, the bidder went back into the stadium i had to run to the, another warm-up track we were so it was about to run on a flat. <laughs> but anyway, uh, she did it. Good. Yeah. She did it. She did it. Good. Yeah. Great. Great moment. Great moment. Um, and then obviously she she went away and had a family you, you, uh, in two thousand one, and you went your separate ways. But she came back for the next Olympics, and by that time you were coaching Kelly as well. Yes, mm. um, Kelly. I was working from Alexander Stadium in the Hyde. Mm. Kelly knocked my door one day. It's like they approached me. I said I have no interest. Um, and then, uh, and then she kept on knocking my door again and after again. I said, score six thousand points first, and I'll spend time with you. Okay. So, uh, so I, I helped. I think I helped her out. Let's say one afternoon a week or so, and then she scored six thousand points, and then I, I took it seriously. And uh, I ranked, she was, uh, I think, um, ranked 54 uh, mm. in the world uh, a year before the Games and uh, progressed very swiftly. And, um, yeah, Denise, uh, so I started coaching, I think, Kelly two years out or so from the Games, mm. something like that. And, and, then, and then Denise joined after one year. And uh, so I in in the in in the in the games in 2004 I had to look after two athletes who were each other's luck rifles because mm -hmm. they were both medal contenders. This was uh, this was not easy. Um, but uh, throughout the week uh, in that year we, they had to um, make each other stronger. Kelly obviously as a, as the better runner, and uh, and 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 Denise more as the mature athlete who. At, in in the in the face of Kelly's career at that time, um, um, uh, Denise was more developed as a mature competitor. Uh, so they both learned from each other. One in terms of attitude, and the other one in in the running events. Yeah, yeah. Is that a healthy dynamic when you have that, that experience and that youth, and they're both performing at a high level? Does that does that help them both ultimately to get onto the next level? I wouldn't say it's easy, but uh, I also understand, you know, it, it depends on very much on the individual characters. So I can also understand, I can see that it, with two different characters, it could have been easier. 
Yeah. Um, and maybe with a different coach even easier. Yeah. Uh, it was not. Don't get the impression as as if as if it was hard work only. We have really big moments of fun and and loud laughter. We, we one of our best years in my whole life actually. Uh, we had we had you know it was very exciting. That's great. Um, That's great. Yeah. 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 And obviously for the, for Athens, uh, Denise physically just didn't 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 happen for her. She did fall apart yeah. physically. Um, but yeah. Kelly Kelly was you know, fantastic. Won, won a bronze medal. Um, yeah. Um, but you were quite hard on her for running the eight hundred meters. Um, not as hard as you thought she should do. Yeah, yeah. I, I I thought she didn't. It was my mistake. Let Let's say this first. Hmm. I trusted her too much before the eight hundred meters. And Denise uh, was in pieces after the long jump. So I had to spend time with Denise, I felt. And I trusted Kelly to do what she usually do, does in mm. 800 meters. I took it a bit too lightly. And uh, and then she, I felt she, 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 she could have run a slightly faster. And um, I, I called her a name. Uh, which I'm not, which I should never have done because I took something away from her fun, from her moment of glory. Mm. And, um, yeah, it's one of those things that you, uh, regret. Um, um, but, uh, it, it came from emotion. I was yeah. not in control, uh, obviously. Yeah. Um, and it's, 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 it's not great. Uh, in fact, it's weak. Um, but um, at, at looking back at it, and there is so much reason to be proud of that performance. Yeah. You know, ranking 54th in the world, and then one year later winning the bronze medal. Yeah. Uh, for for some hours, I thought she lost the silver, but later I realized she won the bronze. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Great. Great stuff. Uh, and from there, you went on to be the Dutch Olympic director. What were the highlights of that role? Um, well, it's quite an honor to, to be uh, honest, uh, to be leading the delegation at the Olympic Games in Beijing and, and helping the, the coaches and, and the sports to prepare for four years. Um, it's the biggest position in, uh, in, in elite sport in my country. Mm. And um, yeah, uh, yeah, the highlight was, was the, were the games, but I remember also events like the world championships equestrian for instance i would never have thought that that would excite me yeah um yeah but i remember in 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 it uh, you could hit a pin drop uh, before the last uh, round between a german and a dutch rider who had to um, go uh, flawless uh, and then the german it was in germany and Aachen. And, um, and so and it was electric moments when you have 50,000 people together, completely quiet and then holding their breath every time that um, that a, 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 a horse is trying to take a hurdle. So, um, yeah, so a, a very uh, great experiences. Also in judo and rowing, I learned, I learned from these sports. Mm. Uh, I took that back with me to uh, to when I went back to to my own sport. Yeah, yeah, back to athletics and and back to Britain as well um, for the um, to be the head coach for GB into London 2012. What? How, how, how did that happen? Were you, you were approached in Beijing, were you? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, it was Niels de Vos at that time, and and uh, with the support of uh, Sepco. Mm. Um, who, yeah, we thought that that I could add something to the program uh, with only only four years to go. Um, obviously, I was not uh, an alien. Huh? They knew me from the years before, mm. and um, yeah, uh, you know, I just mentioned the honor that I had by having the biggest position in my own country, but but having the opportunity to lead the home team at the Olympic Games in the biggest sport, I could not I could not turn that down. Yeah. That was too too big to 
to uh, to turn down. Um, so imagine, you know, as a as a coming from a Mickey Mouse country in in athletics and being being, uh, being you've been harsh. You've been harsh yourself. <laughs> Well, now, now I'm too hard because now we have a, a strong team. But at that time, yeah. for many decades, we were we were we were we were very poor. Yeah. And then, you know, being having the honor to lead the, the home team in London, I've, I've always looked up to British uh, when I was a young coach. Mm. And then being charge, uh, uh, one of my proudest moments ever. And what, when you first arrived, what, was, what do you think was the biggest challenge you faced? Well, first of all, um, uh, time was against me um, mm. because when you want to change things, um, three and a half years is, uh, is a short period to, to make the changes. Um, we had to go on uh, overseas camp, I remember, in January, and decision, and I... I did, first of all, I had to complete my Dutch job, which lasted till the 1st of January. But they, in Britain, they wanted to have my involvement from October onwards. So I did two huge jobs for three months, October, November, December. Okay. In the meantime, big decisions had to be made, uh, new strategy, and uh, it was very hectic. So time and fatigue were, were or lack of time, and, and plenty of fatigue were, were 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 my biggest challenges. But when you have to, when you want to change a culture, which uh, you know, um, Niels de Vos, the CEO at the time, really pushed for, um, you cannot do this with the same people. You need to, when you want to change things, you need to have some new people on board. And um, so it was sometimes quite painful to. Uh, to replace staff, mm-hmm. um, so I was it was a was a stressful uh, time in my life. Mm. Those first few months, yeah. Okay, I can imagine. Yeah, okay. Um, and and the athletes themselves, you were you were you were quite well known for your pre-championship team talks and team talks. And one of the things that was picked up was you you. Uh, you said that some of them were being perceived as pussies and wankers. Was the word you used? <laughs> How did, that, uh, how did that? How did that go down amongst the athletes? Uh, see, first of all, uh, I mentioned these words in uh, to the press, not to the athletes okay. uh, themselves at the time. Uh, after some months, uh, I think it was at the trials in two thousand and um, nine. Um, the press asked me, "What what are your views now on on what 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 what, what do you see in in terms of the athletes preparing for the games?" And um, I said, um, "Yeah, I think I think they were not very tough. Um, many injuries, a lot of excuses, and all these things. Yeah, and um, this is the advantage of being a foreigner. You're, you're forgiven for having a." A, a small vocabulary, so. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I thought uh, this uh, it was the, the pin on his head, and uh, this is how I felt about it, and I'm happy to explain this to everybody who wants to know what I mean. So, um, I never shied away from these things, anyway. Um, and yeah, I think you know when you're outspoken, athletes. Um, um, not everyone find it easy to deal with, um, but most of them appreciate the clarity. Mm. It's the same with staff. But when you have hundred people, you uh, I guarantee there will be ten or twenty unhappy. But um, that depends on on the, the words you choose, the decisions you make, the person you are. Um, but um, I'm 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 quite uh, outspoken and, and predictable, and uh, it, it's it's uh, it's my strength as well. Mm. Um, but it it's it's not always uh, it doesn't always uh, taste sweet. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There was there was obviously there's a lot of scrutiny from the on the um, British team going into home Olympics. 
how did you cope with the media attention and, and how different is it from the media in the Netherlands? Well, let me start with the last one. Um, they're as bad as the British tabloids these days. <laughs> okay. And so, uh, um, but generally speaking, I did, I did very well and actually enjoyed most of part of it. Um, I never had any fear for, uh, I, I don't, I also don't know why people, some people in my position were, were sometimes a bit uncomfortable or fearful. Um, but, um, yeah, you know, they want, they want, they want headlines and they want stories and, um, I understand that. Um, and, uh, but, but, you know, you also know the Daily Mail is against everything you say or decide. That's quite predictable. Um, and it's a matter of accept, accept, accepting this and not take it personal. Mm. And the other, the other media were quite good, actually, mm. uh, quite supportive. Um, but they had stories to write. Well, let's go through some of the stories that were picked up then. So there was the, first of all, there was the plastic Brits, wasn't there, about uh, people, athletes being brought into the British team that had, um, you know, had previously competed for other countries or who were perceived as being not 100% British. You know, was that was that fair, any of that, or was that just, what, what was your take on that? Well, first of all, um, I do understand the, I do understand the sentiment. Um, uh, but there was nothing I can do because uh, it's quite simple. So everyone with a British passport uh, making the qualifying mark and, and performing well at the trials is qualified. This is, this is a, a very transparent um, qualifying procedure process. Mm. Um, uh, I, if people have the impression that I go over the globe with a microscope and finding people with an, um, a British passport, then I have to disappoint them. Um, it's not the case, but, but it, it can happen any day that you're in, a, in the office and, and you get an email from someone with a Cuban background but also a British passport who says, how, how do I qualify for the team? And then I just sent the qualifying standards and the qualifying procedure, like I would do with any athlete. Um, and it, 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 it would not even hold in, in court if you would say, I don't like you because, because you're not British enough. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, it's something, uh, it's a fact of life. And, uh, and um, uh, it, uh, we definitely did not uh, uh, search actively like like countries like Qatar or mm. or Turkey have been doing over the last decade or so. Um, never, not even one time. Okay, okay. The other one, the other other another story was the uh, call it Fatgate, and that was uh, where a not too subtle claim that you know a leading coach uh, accused by Jess Ennis's coach Tony Michello was Tony Michello was saying that uh, uh, a leading coach said she was overweight. Um, what was your version of events on that one, Charles? Well, I'll give you my version, but um, um, most importantly is that Tony, in the public domain, recently has has admitted that it was nonsense. So, um, so my version only <laughs> can be that it's nonsense. Mm. What happened is. Um, after, I think it was after Daegu, probably Daegu, yeah, Daegu, the, the World Championship 2011. I, you know, as, as a head coach, you sit with the most important athletes and coaches, you review the year, and one of the questions I asked was um, 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 something like, like how, what, were you as fit as you were 12 months ago? Mm. And, and it's, a, it's a normal question to ask to any athlete. Um, and then um, Tony thought it was smart to um, give it his tweet, his, 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 um, how do you say this? His, uh, anyway, he, he went, he went with this um, um, to the press and, and, and 
made it a different line. Uh, High-rank official uh, accuses Adley uh, being fed. Mm. It was just um, destructive. It, it didn't help anything. It, it took a lot of my time because I I had to explain uh, to the press that um, things were differently and blah blah blah. Uh, a lot of those distractions uh, doesn't serve any purpose. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, and, and obviously, it... obviously, Jessica Anders was never fed. Let, yeah. let, 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 it's so obvious that I don't even should say it. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, did it affect your relationship with Jess? This or was it still a good relationship there? No. 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 Never. Mm. But it. 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 it I, uh, Tony and myself had a tense relationship. Mm. It appeared in many, many occasions. Um, but with Jess, everything was always fine. At least very level-headed, um, mm. very focused on what you should focus on, and also very nice person. Mm. And uh, we had a very professional and healthy uh, relationship. Okay, okay. And another relationship I want to broach with you is the one of with Philip Sadohu, and that uh, he was going into London as one of the one of our best medal hopes, but things kind of fell apart with him withdrawing from teams on Twitter and he just became a withdrawn figure in the team, didn't he, really? Yeah. Um, didn't, go to hold, didn't go to holding camp. The, yeah. Pardon? Didn't go yeah, to holding yeah, camp, yeah, did he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, Phillips uh, withdrew from the uh, Europa Cup at that time in Stockholm. Uh, it was in June of the Olympic year. Um didn't do it through the, uh, the the normal channels. Um, I um, used Twitter at that time. Um, I had my comments on Twitter, and uh, he felt that he had to. He was he was angry, um, and um, and um, he was hurt, and decided to go his own way, and uh, didn't spend much time with his coach anymore. Found medical support outside the system and was very hard to track down um, and isolated himself basically um, because of anger and pride and, uh, and yeah um, very sad sad story mm. um, not a happy ending uh, because you know he was he was such a, a, a wonderful athlete in the years prior to the games um, but yeah, um, sometimes goes in life. Mm. It's not 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 a great time. How, how, I was going to ask you. How, you have these incidents, and it can be a distraction. But um, it's, it's it's an individual sport, athletics. But how important is it that you have uh, the right culture and a team culture? Does it even matter at all? Well, it does among staff. Uh, staff uh, has to work together and has to understand the values of the team and, 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 and the exact uh, roles that everybody uh, has to fulfill. Um, and, and obviously, in, in track events, you need training partners. Um, but um, does a, a hammer thrower need to be a full team member in comparison to the, or, or in cooperation with the marathon runner? No. But, um, uh, um, the staff usually work together on a daily basis mm. or with medical staff, uh, other support staff, coaches. Uh, and yes, uh, you know, it's something I've learned from other sports, especially that you can, you can, you can really add value uh, to the athlete when, when the staff members uh, work together professionally, challenge each other, um, respect each other. Um, something that you know is, it doesn't happen too often in athletics, but definitely in um, in team sports and and and, and small uh, individual sports like uh, short track speed skating. And I've seen this over the years, and I tried to implement this in in our own sport. Um, yeah, but but in athletics, you know, they're not natural team players. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's probably the understatement of the interview. <laughs> yeah. um. <laughs> I mean, it's it's it's, it's, no, it's a, not easy. no, it's a funny thing. I mean, it is it's it is kind of stating the obvious, but it's uh, it's 
selfishness is a trait in athletics, isn't it? That is can be can it be helpful sometimes? Uh, selfishness, um, it's, it's a negative word. I would say mm. they can't see easily the benefit of input from others. Mm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about the, the the real fun stuff now. So Super Sap Day, still, you know, and forevermore will be one of the most iconic moments in British sports. Yes. Um, with yeah. Mo, Jess, and Greg succeeding on, you know, those three gold medals in such a short space of time in front of a packed Olympic Stadium. How did you experience that night? Ah, uh, it was uh, the iconic moment of Taking those three athletes, and obviously they, you know, they they fulfilled their dreams. What what are the traits that athletes like Mo, Jess, and Greg have and helps them succeed, and that others do not? What is there anything consistent about those those athletes? Well, you could say amongst winners, um, there's always a strong belief that they can win, and and um, and and they never give up that 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 moment. That they're convinced they can win, and and so that's. But when we when we and they, of course they all have determination and desire and all these things. Uh, but that's too obvious. But when I look at the the three individuals, I think you know Greg is Greg. Greg um, always had great optimism. Uh, always had a lot of setbacks in his life. And in his athletic career, and he never lost his optimism and his strong belief in his coaching staff, like Dan Paff and 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 the others around him. Um, so, yeah, uh, a lot of athletes would have given up or lost confidence, but um, never Greg and 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 Mo. Um, you know, had some difficult decisions to make in life to move to Britain when he uh, to move to uh, the US, mm. um, whereas he was coaching coached by Alan Story, which uh, he felt a strong connection with. It's a tough decision to make, mm. um, but that's what he did. Um, it's never easy to to win, and then certainly not easy to to travel that journey towards that moment. And then uh, Jessica, as I said, very level-headed, uh, high expectations from everyone, and she she never broke. Uh, sometimes close, but never did. Mm. And uh, um, yeah, and, and she really has the ability to separate uh, the, the relevant things from from the not so relevant things. Like, and and so you know, she she she's very smart young woman. Um, which, which helps when the expectations are high. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Is, is there any other, I mean, obviously Super Sad just sticks out a mile, but is there any other highlight or moment from your time as head coach that gave you particular satisfaction but didn't receive nowhere near as much t- attention as Super Saturday? Well, I remember clearly the, uh, the morning, the last morning of the, it was a Sunday morning, there was the, 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 the morning of the marathon mm. uh, at the mall in London. And uh, it was the first time that I went outside the bubble, the Olympic bubble, because you're mm-hmm. always in the stadium or at training or in the uh, Olympic village. Yeah. And, and and it was the first time 
I went into the city. Um, and and I saw the happiness and the pride and the and the energy and 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 I remember that that some people I was I was traveling in the underground and and, and walking and and they they recognized me and said you guys lifted the nation and the, and there was such a collective pride um, this was this 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 and then you realize why you do these things yeah uh, in your job yeah. And um, yeah, the other uh, the other moments were basically all team meetings prior to a championship. It were big fun always, big laughter, and uh, some inspiration. And um, um, Dwayne Chambers once said, like to journalists, guys, you have to be a, a fly on the wall at these meetings because they were so, yeah. Everyone, including myself, we always look forward to it. Yeah, yeah. And I take pride in it as well to, to deliver uh, those moments because it's one of the few times that uh, you get the team together. Yeah. And um, uh, athletics, an athletics team only uh, comes out maybe three times a year. So um, it's 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 important to to honor the the ones who who had their first appearance and to highlight um, the championship that we're in and and give some some context and and yeah yeah that was fun yeah good good stuff good stuff and you you left after London 2012 and you? you didn't quite reach the medal target was it a wrench to leave or were you are you quite pleased to be relieved of the pressure. It was tough. Um, uh, it, those years took a lot out of me. Mm-hmm. Um, also because of the four years before in my in the job before. Mm-hmm. But I was uh, I, the main reason why I left was I I I, I thought I I would have lost uh, accountability no, no um, uh, credibility if I would have stayed because I was quite vocal about meeting standards always to athletes and coaches and. And there were always consequences to not meeting standards. So if I have a public a target and I don't hit the target, then how can I have the similar conversations in the years after? Mm. You know. So, um, but you know, I never regret. Uh, I, of course, I'm a human being. I regret things, but not professionally. Yeah. Um, when I leave, I leave and I make the best out of the next day and the, the next uh, phase of my life. Uh, I had a fantastic time um, and I look back at it with, with a smile and with, and with pride. And I know it was not easy and it was not only smiles because we had a lot of uh, confrontations as well. Mm. Uh, but, but, but when I, you know, I felt very much honored. And, and um, yeah, it, it enriched my life. These uh, these these two periods of four years in Britain. Mm-hmm. Can I just ask you about three three people who would have been with you on the uh, the journey in Britain who who we've who we've prematurely lost in recent years, and perhaps you can share some memories of these people. I'm talking about Lloyd Cowan, who was obviously famed coach uh, coach to Christina Hurugu and others, Ao Falola, you know, coach to middle distance runners and 400 meter runners. Um, and Neil Black as doctor. Can you just give me some memories of those people? We'll take take, take Lloyd first, for example. Um, yeah, Lloyd. We all know Lloyd as as one with a big athletic heart, especially for young people. Um, he inspired many, many, many young people, especially from East London. Um, he is in elite sport. He's very well known for uh, coaching uh, Christina Hurubu. Uh, and, 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 and many others, um, Olympic champion, obviously, and double world champion. But we remember him mainly for inspiring and giving hope to young athletes and, and giving them perspective um, mm. and structure in their lives. Mm. Um, yeah, tr- true love for, for, for athletics and a quite intuitive coach, uh, his own ways. Uh, his own language. Um, um, yeah, it's, it, it was sometimes a challenge because not very organized. 
sad loss those three guys yeah and um oh. sure those words will be um very much appreciated yeah yeah um so moving forward to the sport today and you've, you've obviously been you've revealed your age already charles you're 64 now what, what what are the big changes you've seen that time what's the biggest changes you would say in athletics well first of all we have many more in orange on rostrums <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Oh, that's good from your point we of view. That's good. Eight, yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> we had eight medals. Eight medals in Tokyo. It's incredible. Remember, we we only had four medals in fifty years. Five zero. Wow. And eight in one week. So um, that's a change. Uh, but uh, um, um, uh, what I've seen, um, there's definitely more technology involved in modern athletics uh, in the sense that we monitor training processes more objectively not so much more the eye of the of the coach or the feeling of the coach that we can measure properly um, and that helps so much um, programming and, and 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 more sensible way or sensible way to move forward in your development um, it's, it's, it's less dependent on intuition, and um, that's 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 one of my the biggest things I've I've seen in change. So obviously, the whole issue of safeguarding is um, mm. is huge. Uh, the word abuse has uh, many more meetings uh, meanings than it had uh, ten years ago. Um, but uh, yeah, I think these are the the biggest changes I've seen. They still throw the javelin the same way, and they run the same way as uh, 50 years ago, roughly. Um, so not many, many changes in that area. Uh, probably less drug use because of the, the, the out of uh, uh, you know out of competition testing. Yeah. 
uh, that's good development. Um, yeah, good. these are the biggest biggest developments I've, I've seen. Good. Can I ask you about social media? Because there was one, I was, I was, you've obviously been quoted as saying Twitter was for clowns and attention seekers, quite famously. Um, and I was talking in an earlier podcast to um, Ailey Doyle, the 400 metre hurdler. And she, it was quite interesting what she said to me. She said that, um, you know, in, in the modern day, a lot of athletes will get shoe sponsorship based more on their social media following than their actual times, which I found amazing really and i wonder what yeah. your thoughts on that would be yeah it's 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 true um yeah it's yeah i, I think it's it's a, it's a fact of life it's something you may agree or disagree with or like or not like it's it's it doesn't matter it's not relevant it is what it is um it's not as if we have a choice in this it's it, it, it's you know, it's not pure sport, um, but um, I don't think athletes are going to run slower because of it. Mm. Um, so I don't make it bigger than it is. Okay, okay. Well, it's a separation thing also, you know, um, athletes of, um, let's say, in their 20s uh, find it also. It's not only a bigger opportunity, but it's also a bigger need, I think, to be visible. Or to show themselves, mm. but uh, every generation has its own uh, characteristics. And um, when you when you coach for forty five years, like I have been, I've, I've seen different generations um, passing my door. Yeah, yeah. That would it? Probably not. But you know what I mean. <laughs> I do. I do. I do yeah. Did you ever? There was a Twitter after you made your Twitter comments. There was a Twitter profile setup called Charles Van Comedy. Were you ever aware of this? Of course I was. Yes. <laughs> okay. Did you look yeah, at it? Yeah. Did you look at it? <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, it was fun actually. <laughs> I still don't know who it was. It, uh, but it was, it, 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 at that time, in 2012, um, everybody was looking out for the next comment. And uh, <laughs> it, it was, I, I thought, uh, you know, it's fun. And, uh, and, and 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 I enjoyed it actually. Yeah, it was never it was never evil, or uh, yeah. it was always tongue in cheek. Good, innocent. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Good, good stuff. Um, we'll wrap up shortly, but I just we we all know you as being you know in the in the athletics arena in the intensity of high performance sport. But tell us what you do in your spare time, Charles. How do you relax and get away from the sports? Um, um, I I like walk long long walks. And, and, and I, I, I go on my bike uh, with, with friends. This is what I do. I, I go to, I, I read books. Um, but it's only since one month that I uh, have retired. Um, oh, I also, I, uh, I bought a membership to the concert building here. I like classical music. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, yeah, these are the things. I'm not a fanatic uh, in terms of uh, going to the gym or so. I, I do things, um, I exercise moderately, like maybe three times a week. Mm. That's all. Yeah. Okay, good, good. And, and what's, what's left for you, for you in athletics? Any, any remaining ambitions that you have? Um, well, I'm, 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 um, I lecture uh, for the, the Dutch Olympic Committee for other sports as well. Mm. Uh, about coaching and 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 also about uh, high performance climate. Um, so I coach some coaches, and um, I will stay involved with um, as a sort of an, in an assistant role to a couple of heptathletes here. We had in the in the games, uh, Anouk Vetter won the silver medal and. Emma Oosterweg of the bronze medal, and um, I will spend um, bits and pieces with them. They have their own coach, but uh, in 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 the championships you need two coaches, um, and I because they're sometimes in different groups, so I have a, a sort of an assistant role once every two or three weeks I go there, and um, and and maybe at a camp or so. 
and I help them mainly in the long term. Okay, okay, wonderful, good. Good. Well, listen, thanks, Charles. I'll wrap it up there. Thanks thanks very much for your time. Uh, and, and it's great to hear you still being so honest and candid, um, as, as we know, as you were 10 years ago. Uh, I have no other option. <laughs> great. Thank you so much, Charles. Take care. All right. It was fun. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to Athletic Life Stories with Chris Broadbent. Please tell your friends and leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. Sports Social Podcast Network.